Thank you. I kind of feel like Willy Wonka walking out from the chocolate factory. Real dramatic with a cane, and uh, no, I can't do a flip right now. And if uh, you're a visitor and wonder why in the world is the guy with a cane getting an applause, uh, I'm Brian Bennett. I'm the lead pastor. Welcome back to me. Uh, I've been out for the last month, had a knee replacement, and uh, God is so good. And I am so grateful for this church and giving thanks for all that God is doing here. We are so blessed, church, and I absolutely love this church and love God's hand and what he is doing. Amen? I mean, just to hear about the shoeboxes, to know the movement of the spirit that is happening through groups, through our women's ministry. Come on, women. Through our men's ministry. Uh, it is absolutely incredible. And as we come out of Thanksgiving as a holiday, we need to stay in a place and posture, I hope and pray, of gratitude and thanksgiving all the time because God is so, so good. And uh, he has been so faithful to me and my family, and we just thank you for your prayers and your support. And uh, today, as we get into this, I was reflecting back on Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving. And that Thanksgiving, our president at the time, uh, George Washington, declared that there needed to be a day of Thanksgiving and prayer for the nation to gather. And it's interesting because this occurred after a period of pain and suffering by many of those pilgrims. In fact, many that arrived originally in our country didn't make it to that first Thanksgiving, yet they were there after pain and suffering to give Thanksgiving. Today we look at this idea of pain and gain. Can you say that with me? Pain and gain. And as we dive into that, I, I brought a gift with me. Uh, for some, it's a gift. For others, it's a gift. In here is something that I am really excited about. Anybody? It, no? Oh, okay. If you're online, drop a comment on what you're thankful for. I'm thankful that Michigan, after 10 years, finally won against the Buckeyes. And... I got to tell you, like, it was the first time my 15-year-old son had ever seen us beat Michigan, or beat Ohio State that he remembered. So this was an amazing moment. It's a gift and a gain for our family. For others of you, it's a pain. I'll put it away so you don't have to look at it. Now, with that, there is this reality that, that there is a gift even in pain. And that when we work through things with Jesus in the center whether we're going through chaos or other things, we can learn to thrive by finding the gift within the pain and what God is doing. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, we're picking up in verse 12. And it's just God's providence and timing that this is the Sunday that, that I'm back because I, I just went through some pain. I just experienced God giving me some gain through it. And uh, as we look at 1 Peter 4, Peter is writing to 10 specific churches in Asia Minor at this time. They're churches that are filled with believers. They wouldn't look like the churches that we're used to today in modern America. They didn't have big buildings. They didn't have big budgets. They didn't have a lot of programs. They had people that had been radically changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. And because of that transformation and that desire to follow Jesus, within that, they were also experiencing a lot of persecution. That there was a world around them that didn't receive them as followers of Christ. And when we talk about pain, 
I don't know that we fully understand what the persecution that they were dealing with was. This was a persecution that could cause them not just emotional pain and spiritual pain, but literal physical pain. Some experienced beatings, others experienced death. Many did. And so as Peter's writing to them, I didn't want to use the word persecution because I think we as Americans in our modern era think we're persecuted because somebody didn't like our comment on Facebook or because somebody quit talking to us at work or because somebody talked about us at work. That's not the kind of persecution and pain that Peter's talking about. And we as a body have to better understand a good theology of pain and suffering and how Jesus shows up in it because he is so good and blesses us when we understand how he works through it. Amen? So let's get into it. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, say rejoice, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also, what? Rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of, the, of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. God bless the reading of his word. And as we dive into this, as I said, they were experiencing persecution, pain, and suffering at a level that many of us can't relate to. Some of us, though, can relate to the idea of pain, of, of mentally, emotionally, spiritually struggling and wondering, where is God? Where, where is God in the chaos and the things that I'm going through? One of the things I've learned uh, over the last year, I've moved from Michigan to Florida with my family of six. And as we moved, I'll be honest with you, I, I really had this view of Florida as a kind of a retirement and tourist place. If you're a Floridian, I will admit, I did not think that you actually were tough. And what I know today is Floridians are as tough as nails. <laughs> you all have, I thought I knew how to have Michigan grit getting through a winter. I am blown away at the grit that is here in Florida, amen? There is just a, we're going to get through it, a strength, and it's a beautiful thing. But there's also a shadow side to every strength. Because one of the things I wonder about is, is Peter is writing to a group of believers. He's inviting them in to share their pain and their suffering. To be a people that didn't just grin and bear it, but said we're going to be open about it, and we're going to invite Jesus into it, and we're going to share it in community. You may wonder, how does a 42-year-old need a knee replacement? I did too. <laughs> Six years ago, I had a major knee injury. Waited a year and a half to have surgery. Lots of reasons for that, most of which were my pride. A year and a half later, they do the surgery and they can't finish the work. 
The arthritis had been so accelerated, I essentially had a knee three, four decades older than my age. Technology wasn't ready, so I had to wait five years. I look back and realize that much of the pain that I've just had to go through was because back then I had this grin and bear it mentality. I'm not going to invite people into it. I don't need help. I don't need anybody. I'm going to get through it. Anybody? There's something God wants to do in opening us up to him and to each other. And Peter is inviting this church, these believers, into that. A couple of things if you're a note taker, and if you're not, you should be, so get started. Pain, isn't, pain first, isn't a surprise. Did you catch it? Peter said, don't be surprised at the persecution. Don't be surprised at the pain. You know, what it is, is a symptom of a deeper issue, and it's a signal. It's a symptom of a fallen world. Theologically, scripturally, we know we live in a fallen world, a world that is filled with sin and pain and suffering and destruction. And pain is actually a symptom of that, whether it's disease or sickness or persecution. It's actually a sign of the sin that is in our world. And that symptom, you know, when I went into the doctor to find out what, what was causing the, the pain that I was experiencing, as you know, a doctor has to diagnose what is the, underneath the symptom, what is the root cause. The root cause in, our fallen, is in this fallen world is the depravity of man. It's our sinful nature that we're born into, a nature that it wants what it wants, not necessarily what God wants. And that causes direct suffering when it's our sin towards others or that we do that has a consequence. Sometimes it's indirect though, right? Sometimes there's indirect symptoms because somebody else has sinned against us. So there's direct and indirect in relation to this fallen world. We've got to look at both sides of it. But it's also a signal, and that's what pain does, right? Pain signals that something's wrong and we need to pay attention to it. Now, those of us that grin and bear it, we might be missing what the signal is trying to tell us, right? But as a signal, it is actually a signal pointing to the need for a resurrected and returning Jesus, and here's the thing, some of us, you, you have this sense of something's wrong, it, the chaos, the things that have happened, and you're not sure what to do about it. And pain has a way at times, whether it's persecution, pain, or suffering, of incapacitating us. We can almost be paralyzed and stuck, whether it's emotionally, physically, or spiritually. Let me show you a quick clip from TikTok. I had a little bit of time. I would on my say hands. mentally, I am not well. Physically, also no. Spiritually, I would say mentally, I am not well. Physically, also no. Spiritually, anybody? <laughs> literally just laying there in our pain and suffering and not able to move. And my prayer and my hope is that, that today moves you to see and to find Jesus in it. Because yes, it's a symptom, but it's also a signal of our need for him. And there's hope. There is great hope 
Look at Revelation 21 with me. This is the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The now is Jesus is showing up. He's bringing restoration. He's bringing healing. He's bringing deliverance and freedom. But it's the not yet because it won't be fully complete till his return. Meaning that we'll still experience pain here on earth. Here's what it says in Revelation 21 when Jesus returns. It says, I hear a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Isn't that good news? It says when he returns in verse 5, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. He also said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Caught in the now and not yet, one of the points that we need to understand is pain is not something that is meant to destroy us. Instead, it purifies and strengthens us. Pain is something that has a redemptive quality to it that creates gain, that actually leads us closer to Jesus. I feel qualified to talk about this, not just because I just had a knee replacement, but a a little over a year ago, we were called to come here. And I was joking with somebody about, you know, the fact that things have gone really well at the church. It's not been an easy year, but it's been a good year, amen? God has moved and worked, and we have so much to celebrate and be thankful for. But if my faith and the faith of my family was less, if we were immature, this last year for me personally would have left me in a place of saying, we made a mistake. Let me tell you why. Beginning of 2021, we actually experienced a tragic death within our close friends and extended family circle, something that devastated us, that caused us to go back to Michigan unexpectedly, lots of pain, even to this day, as with this extended friend and family of ours, as they go through each marker, each holiday, without their loved one. That wasn't enough over March, April, and then July, Family of six, all six of us got COVID. I know you don't even like to hear the word COVID. But we all got it. And it was like one of those moments where you go, why didn't we all just get in a room, hug each other, and get it at the same time? Because we spread it out over three months. And it was hard, and we were quarantined a lot, and you were so great as a church. Then in July, I fall off a bicycle and dislocate my scapula and shoulder, Can't make this stuff up. (laughs) I'm in a sling. I have to go through physical therapy just in time to have a 30-day window before I get my knee replaced. There's been some stuff thrown at us. But here's what I want to tell you, and I don't say this to brag on me. I say this to brag on God. I feel closer to Jesus today than I did a year ago because Jesus has shown up in it And the pain and the hard stuff created this great gain in my relationship with Jesus. And this is biblical. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. It says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What is that saying? It's saying to you and I that the gain in pain is finding Jesus in it and allowing him to be, when we're pressed and squeezed, the thing that comes out. So how are you responding to your pain and to your suffering, to the chaos around you? What's being squeezed out of your life in this season? Is it more of Jesus? Or do you have a few moments you look back over the last week? Right? How many of you do not raise your hand over your neighbor had a dysfunctional Thanksgiving? How many of you had a really hard moment at a Thanksgiving table, or maybe the lack of one. And it brings things up in us that feel like all of this pressure is on us. And yet there's Jesus saying, hey, if you'll give it to me, if you'll find me in the middle of that loss and that pain, I can be the gain that you're looking for. I can be your great reward. God is so good, and he's so available. And it is time for Jesus' church, especially in the West, to develop a better understanding of this stuff. We've got to have thicker skin, not to grit and get through it, but to get through it in a way that the world around us, when we're pressed and pressured and stressed, when we're persecuted, when people come against us, what they see is not us getting through it, but they see Jesus shining through us. Church, wake up, let's, let's go God wants to do something in our hearts and minds for a world right now that is fallen and hurting. And if you're like, well, I don't have the strength, well, guess what? That's the perfect place because it's his strength. It's his grace. It's a combination not of our grit, but a combination of grace and grit. God's grace in it that makes the difference. So let's look. There's four key things here that I want to point out to you. Pain brings gain when we respond by firstly rejoicing and being glad. Let me read to you again verse 12 and 13. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice and be glad. When is the last time you said, God, thank you for this persecution? Right? When's the last time you said, God, thank you that I'm in pain? Thank you that I'm suffering. Thank you that this is difficult. For honest, that's a major challenge, isn't it? To actually say, that the suffering Christ, that that opportunity in suffering is to identify with Jesus. We live in a world that is love, loves to talk about passion right now. Loves to talk about I'm passionate about this. And, I'm, and really we equate it to a feeling of excitement, right? And that's important. But do you know the root word for passion in Latin, passio, actually means to suffer. That actually a real passion is something that you're so excited about and so committed to 
that you'll actually go through pain and suffering. This is why Christ last week was called the passion of the Christ. He was willing to suffer out of his great love for us. He took a beating. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. And suffering, pain, allows us to better identify with Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? And so we approach it differently. It's almost like a reframing, a renewing of our mind to say we're going to rejoice and be glad when we face challenges because it's an opportunity to identify with our risen Savior. Secondly, verse 13 and 14, it says this again, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The second thing that we need to do if we're going to bring gain into our pain is we need to respond by refocusing on Christ and his glory. We need to actually say, yes, the pain is a symptom and it's a signal, but I'm going to refocus on Jesus and make this about his glory, not about me. Not about what I'm going through. Not about the pain, not about the suffering, not about the persecution, but about Jesus showing up in it and getting the glory. And did you notice here that in verse 14, it says very clearly, you are blessed. That means happy, a joy that is internal, that is not based on circumstance. It says the spirit of glory rests upon you. I don't know about you, but I know that more of my flesh is not what I or the world need. Anybody? Can you say it about yourself? Because you, you agreed with me real quick. Right? We don't need more of ourself. We need more of the Spirit of God, more of His glory. And this is part of what happens is when we refocus on Christ and His glory, we're looking for who He is, His character, how He shows up and shines through. I mean, what would it look like for people to see our situations and to say, I don't know how you're getting through this. I don't know how you have hope. I don't know how you have this kind of character, but whatever you have and whatever's in you, I want it. And church, that's the kind of people Peter is writing to. That's the kind of people God is calling us to be, is to a a people that are so focused on Jesus that no matter our situation, he's going to get the glory. That is my heart, not just for my life, but for our church, that we would grow in a maturity and a level of discipleship that would be so focused on Jesus. And with that, the third thing is that we receive then the blessing of God and the Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm getting at when we say, we don't, I don't need more of my flesh. I need more of the Holy Spirit. Anybody? See, we, we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We love and serve, are invited into a relationship with a Trinitarian God. And oftentimes we look at God the Father, and we talk about Jesus, but we don't necessarily talk about the Holy Spirit enough to to realize that Scripture teaches us that you and I are the temple of the living God. 
That actually, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, not only does he save us from our sins, but he regenerates and begins the transformation process by dropping and depositing the fullness of the Holy Spirit, his spirit inside of us. Just think about that for a minute. For that early church, that had to be radical. They only knew going to a tabernacle in a temple. And suddenly they're being told, you're the temple. That actually your body, your physical body through a relationship with Jesus is now where the presence of the living God resides. That you're no longer alone. That when Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, like he really meant it. He hooked us up. He put the Holy Spirit inside of us. And if we're honest, we know that oftentimes the issue isn't do we have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have us? Because we have a flesh that often likes to respond, especially in pain and in persecution and suffering, in the wrong way. And what Peter is saying here is, listen, there is a blessing that is there in the pain and the suffering, and that the gain is... The presence of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is new to you, go on the journey. Like, did you know that when we come together in church, I have about 35-ish minutes, depending on how God's working. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's a little less. But at the end of the day, is that going to be enough for you to figure everything out about your faith? The answer is no. Say no. <laughs> Just, I'll spoon feed you. No. So what we talk about here, we should be working out and wrestling with the rest of the week. And so when you hear, and if you're like, I don't know about this Holy Spirit, great, go on the journey. If you're online, drop a comment, hey, I need more information. If you're here, hey, let us know. There is so much more that God has for us, and I believe the presence of God and his Holy Spirit showing up not just in a service, but in our daily walk with the Lord is what's going to shine through and make a difference. This is what Paul is getting at. It becomes a gain because you see the need for the Holy Spirit that, no, I can't grip my way through this. I need God. Now, the last thing here, let me read to you uh, here in a second. But the last piece is that we're revealing Christ as our identity and our dependency. And verses 15 through 19 have a lot to say. So let me read it to you and kind of break it down as we go. Peter pivots here for a minute in verse 15. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an, or, or an evildoer or as a meddler. A few months back, I mentioned this verse because it hit me square between the eyes. Here, here you have on a level playing field in one verse, Peter's saying, listen, some of you are indirectly suffering, but some of you are directly suffering because of your own sin. So if you're suffering because you're doing the wrong thing, you're a murderer, an evildoer, you know, you're working through some of these things even as a thief, like there is a suffering and pain that you're causing by doing that behavior. But what hit me between the eyes a few months ago was the word meddler. A murderer and a meddler in the same line? So what's a meddler? Meddler is those people that like to meddle Busy bodies like to get their fingers into everything. Anybody notice that gossip has a way of creating more pain? 
That gossip has a way of dividing and causing more pain and suffering. That getting into other people's business. It's funny, one of my kids, who will remain unnamed, made a comment recently. How boring is this person's life that they have to get into everybody else's business? And I thought, huh, interesting perspective. You see, part of it is you may be meddling and not even realizing it. You may be so caught up in it and think that's your purpose. It's not. (laughs) And church, we got to get better at this. Because when we are meddling in other people's business, that is not our purpose and that is not how we live in community. Peter is laying that out for us so that we would see it. He goes on here to say in verse 16, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, who he's saying has Jesus, has the atonement, the covering of his blood, how much more is it going to be difficult for those that don't have him, right? Verse 18. If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And church, this should compel us to be so filled with the love of Jesus and his spirit that we desperately want to share with those around us. That we want to share with those that are lost in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we find ourselves, because we want them to know the goodness of God who shows up in our pain and chaos. And then verse 19, this really could be a summary of all of 1 Peter and what his theology is that he's laying out. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So if you're like, okay, what's the summary, pastor? What does this all mean? It really means that we we are revealing our identity in him and our dependency on him in a way that says we trust God and we will do good no matter our circumstances. That no matter what is going on, the pain, the suffering around us, we are going to be a people that recognize as followers of Christ. Did you catch that that word was used in here? The word Christian? Christian is not a phrase actually used often in the New Testament. It's only used three times. This is one of the three times. And it's actually used only to indicate that they were followers of the way, followers of Jesus. This isn't a follower like you know, somebody you watch online or on a social media platform. This is a follower that is so committed, that is so identified with Jesus, that you're utterly dependent on him, that you look to Jesus to show up in your work, your school. You look to him to show up in your relationships, in any of the things that you're going through. You look to Jesus and believe that he's going to be available Now, there is a world, as I mentioned, that has fallen. 1 Peter 5, 8, just a few verses later, Peter says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So while God allows it, he doesn't author it. There is an enemy, and we need to properly place blame on the right name. Because it's the name of Jesus that will actually save us and get us through the pain and the suffering. But when we're blaming him for the things that we're going through, we're missing the goodness of God. 
So persecution and pain, if you're taking notes, don't excuse bad behavior. Oh, church. This is a lot of what Peter is saying is, listen, rejoice and be glad, be blessed, be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you do these things, don't be those people that use pain as an excuse for bad behavior. Actually find Jesus in it. You see, we do good and trust God no matter the circumstances. Let me say that again. We do good and trust God no matter the circumstances. And when we begin to live like that, there's a maturity emotionally, physically, spiritually that God brings that allows us to be the people he created us to be. To entrust our souls to God. This here at the very end, when he says the word entrust, it's the Greek word, it's a verb, which means to give to someone for safekeeping, to turn over to someone to care for. This is a deeper meaning It's looking to Jesus and saying, I'm going to entrust my life and my soul and all of who I am to you for your care and safekeeping. And I believe no matter what I go through this side of heaven, you're going to work it out in the end because ultimately we win when Jesus returns. Amen? And so let's apply this today. Next step, questions. First is, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? I mean, really, maybe you've been around church, maybe you've been around Christianity for a while. Maybe you you would say, yeah, I'm I'm pretty religious and I have church. But do you have Jesus? I used to tell our church in Michigan over a 14-year period quite often, listen, I don't care if you've caught church or have church if you haven't found Jesus. We often get it backwards, don't we? We somehow equate being a part of the church, attending the church, but the, that, that matters, but after we find and follow Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're somebody that you know about Jesus and you, have, you can pass the test and you've asked him into your heart, but you haven't really been following him, may today be your day. May today be the moment where you say, I I need that Jesus. I need to follow Jesus. One of the first things that happens when new believers are are seen in the the New Testament is they get baptized. It's literally repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And so have you been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ? We have a baptism coming up in a couple weeks. You can sign up today. If you're online, just drop a comment here. Just go to uh, hello at pathwayvb.com, our email address, reach out, or reach out to one of us physically. We can do that, right? We can talk to each other as humans. If you're ready to be baptized, make the move, take the step. And then third, which of these responses do you need to work on this week to turn pain into gain? I went through these four things. Do you need to rejoice and be glad? Do you need to refocus on Christ and his glory? Do you need to receive blessing in the pain and look for more of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can give you? Or do you need to reveal Christ as your identity? Maybe you've allowed persecution to cause you to hide as a Christian. Maybe you've allowed the pain and the chaos in the world to drive you into hiding. And Jesus is saying, don't be ashamed anymore. Let your real identity be known. Share me with others. 
Maybe today you realize like me, five, six years ago, I had an opportunity to invite people into community with me in a way that I missed. And maybe my dependency on me was too high. And maybe God's saying, listen, I want you to be in community. I want you to invite others in. I want you to get over yourself, get humble, and be vulnerable. Because I can show up in your pain. I want to pray for us. And then we're going to go into a time, believe it or not, of just praising and thanking God. Because if I know anything, it's that in the middle of the pain, we need to praise him. That praise often leads the path to victory. That often praise precedes the victory. The altars will be open at that time. You can come forward. There'll be people to pray with you. Whatever you need, we are here. Our team is here. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. The suffering servant who shows up in our pain and truly gives us gain. Father, I pray today would lead us on a journey of growing with you, deepening with you, that we would be followers of you, that we wouldn't allow the chaos and the symptoms of the world to to cloud out the signal that you're giving us that, that I'm here, I'm available, I want to pour out more of my son and my spirit on you. So Father, as we humble up, as we confess, as we repent, as we come to you, I pray that you would just pour out your spirit, that we would experience healing and restoration, deliverance and freedom, that we would experience strength and the ability to share you in our pain. And Jesus, we're gonna give you all the glory. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. If you're able to stand, let's stand and worship him together. The altars are open. Here we go. Come on. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. Come on. Give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing. Your mercy and your love, your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I am grateful. Yeah. When I was down, you brought me out and set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God, your faithfulness, my solid rock. Oh, oh, I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing, Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks. 
for just a moment, uh, we're actually going to take a moment to respond uh, in community together because after worship in the Word, that's what we want to do is respond, right? And uh, this happens to be a special Sunday in church community together because we actually have Parent Commitment Sunday today. So we have a family in this service and we have uh, three families in the next service, I believe five children total that are parents are committing and dedicating to the Lord today. Amen. And so we're going to just take a moment. Pastor Eleanor uh, is going to come out and introduce our family in this moment where they're saying, we're here and our house is going to serve the Lord. So thank you. Yes. So excited that I have the opportunity to do uh, my very first Parent Commitment Sunday here at Pathway. It's really exciting. And I'd like to introduce, this is Paloma Gibson. Say Hi. This is Paloma Gibson, Mom Tyler, uh, Mom Ingrid, uh, Dad Tyler, and brothers Parker and Carter. Can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so um, I want to tell you just a little bit about how we've prepared for Parent Commitment Sunday. In the past, we, um, uh, as in preparing for this, the parents have listened to a series of audio messages um, where we've talked about what it means to actually commit to raising your children to believe in Christ and what it means to actually parent your children um, to be believers and disciples of Christ. Yeah. And how that starts with parents first, how that starts with a commitment to follow Christ and to serve him and to love him ourselves so that we can then impart that to our children. And so 
Tyler and Ingrid have gone through that series of um, talks. Um, we had a workshop um, where we were able to sit and kind of talk through. They've chosen a Bible verse um, that they are, um, that it is on their house, in their house, on their uh, walls, uh, kind of the whole Deuteronomy 6, right? We get uh, their children, we get your children um, for an hour a week. Um, and so we don't always have enough time to be able to instill all of the things that, that would um, allow these children to develop and form a faith that lasts against the world right now and in the future. And so this gives them an opportunity to share all the time um, when they're getting up, when they're in school. We were just talking um, about how the boys are singing worship songs um, as they are driving to school and, um, and helping each other can, you know, kind of learn about Christ as they're, you know, Parker's leading the way and singing. So um, we are excited to um, be able to have this dedication moment. Um, it is not a baptism, but it is a commitment um, that you all are making to raise Paloma to follow Christ. Um, so we have a, a, a slide that we'll put up and have the parent commitment um, where we'll read. Um, it's like you'll have to get sorry, it off the side I screen. I think I'll have to get it off the screen. Um, so in the presence of your family, friends, and church community, is it your life's desire to become and model a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? We do. Great. And church, this isn't just about uh, the, the parents making this commitment. Um, we as a church, are. it's important for us to also come alongside these families um, and help them, encourage them, support them. Um, and so if you would also make your commitment to encourage them. Um, parents, do you also promise that with God's help and guidance, that you will undertake and bring this little one um, to, to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and serve him as Lord, making him um, the center of your life that God has given in the family and in the church. We do. Yes. All right. And church, if you will respond. We do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Church, do you promise before God and, <laughs> and children? <laughs> uh, I'm going to print this off the next time, yeah. and I'm going to read Here, it. I, because I, got, I, I got you. It's all, all good. Right, hey, awesome. if you call this your home and you're a part of committing to this, stand for a minute, will you? And uh, if you're a visitor and you're not sure, that's okay. You can stay seated Sorry, for a moment. No big deal. Uh, I'm going to read it. You're going to say we do because we're in this together church community. Amen? Thanks for having my back today. I really appreciate <laughs> it because... No, you're, you're doing great. We, we, you're an amazing leader. We love you. <laughs> Do you promise before God and one another that with God's help and guidance, you will support these parents with your prayers as they seek to fulfill their responsibilities to this child, to, to their children? And do you promise to assist them by providing encouragement, counsel, and ministries to guide them in the ways of godliness? If so, Pathway Church, answer, we do. We do. Amen. All right. You're welcome. I want to pray for them. I'm going to pray for you as a family. Paloma, can I get a fist bump? 
No? I knew we were headed there. She gave me that look earlier. She's like, no. So we'll, be, we'll become friends at some point. So, oh, I got one right here. All right. What about you? There we go. All right. Let's pray together uh, to close this time and, and over their home. So, Father God, we love uh, what we get to be a part of in church family and uh, the community and commitment that is present and being uh, just orchestrated by you, Lord. I thank you for Tyler and Ingrid. I thank you. Uh, for their desire that I have witnessed personally over the last year to worship you and to follow you no matter what life brings or throws at them. I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for the desire uh, to raise their boys in Paloma, to know you and to follow you. And we pray for your richest blessings and favor over their home, that they would sense your presence, uh, equipping, encouraging, and empowering them uh, to really speak life into and over their children. And we pray for Paloma to find and follow you early in life, God. May she uh, just know how much she is loved by you, created by you for a purpose. And we pray that she would find you so early and truly just be a worshiper of you uh, that would give you the glory with the life you've given her. We thank you and praise you for this moment. And we bless you as we walk forward together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We do have a table out in the cafe that um, we have a little gift for them. So if you get a chance and can go by and uh, welcome them, we would greatly appreciate it and just encourage them. Hey, let's seal the deal. Let's do this. Sing a song maybe you haven't sung in a while. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little... They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Yeah. Listen, if you're new uh, or relatively new to Pathway, we have a welcome center out here. We'd love to give you a gift and meet you and get to know you better. We also have a cafe with lots of yummy things in it. So go there. God bless you guys. Now go and be the church.